Thank you for listening to Room 9, my daddy's podcast. Hope you enjoy. If you would like to help Room 9, please visit their support page. You can listen to Room 9 on your favorite podcast listening platform. Don't forget to visit our Instagram and Facebook page. Please like it. Room 9, if you better yourself, you better the world. And I was just so unhappy. You know, um, when you go to meetings, everyone's so happy and positive. And I was like, I can't be the only one feeling like this. I can't be the only one like still dying inside, you know? Mm -hmm. And so that's when I realized that there were a lot of things that I needed to work through that I wasn't going to be able to do um, just going to meetings. So I started going to therapy and that worked wonders. And that was Krista Bigham. We have a conversation today. Really, she just gives into the importance of therapy and how important it was for her to say the things out loud that she was really struggling with. And I think we all can get lost in how simple but how important therapy can be for us. And just having somebody to talk to in general and somebody who can listen to you empathetically is such an important thing to have in our lives. And this conversation was a great reminder of that. The new year is coming. The new Room 9 will be out in 2021. It's going to be a little bit of some different territory, but I think I finally have found out what direction I want to go, which is super important. It took dipping my toe into several different things, figuring out what I wanted to do best, where I could make the biggest difference, where the biggest need is, and that's what's happening in 2021 with Room 9. So other than that, that is what's happening for the rest of the year, just preparation for the new year. It was a strange year indeed. I will be talking to you guys next week. Much love. I will see you later. Peace. Thanks for uh, reaching out. <laughs> I mean, yeah. you, you reached out to me and I don't know, you know, I so I don't know much about you and I love that because everything you tell me is brand new to me like I don't know anything we didn't really talk right. about anything I don't know anything about your story I don't know why you reached out to me really other than you know through some email exchanges so tell me a little bit about yourself I guess start from the beginning of you know what sticks out I don't even know where to begin I guess how I reached out to you was a friend of mine uh, listens to I don't know if it's your podcast or a different one, but somehow through the grapevine, he found out about yours and he listened to an episode or two and he was like, I think that this would be really, really good for you to share your story or, you know, whatever. And I always feel like my story is not significant enough to tell. Mm -hmm. and <laughs> I know, I know the feeling. Yeah. And, but when I tell it to people, I mean, the handful of people that do know my whole story, they're really like taken back by it. And I'm like, well, I mean, I lived it like this is normal for me, you know. So, I mean, I, it's hard for me to see from a different perspective. I heard it explained on a actually, I think it was another podcast and the guy was talking and he's like, he asked her, what is what is your favorite movie? I'm asking you, what is what's your favorite movie? Oh, mine? Yeah. True Romance. Uh, imagine watching that like literally 
a thousand times in one week. You'd be so sick of it. You wouldn't even respond to it emotionally anymore. You'd be like, oh, this part's next. Oh, they say this next. You'd have it all memorized. It'd lose all its, all its excitement. And that's what right. our own stories are like. And it just gets so dull to us because we've seen it over and over again. We've thought about it. It's kept us up at night. So mm-hmm. I always try to remind myself of that because I feel the same way. Like, Because people tell you, too, all the time, sh- always share your story. So like even on every episode, I'm like, when I bring it up, nobody wants to hear about my dead brother and sister again, man. Nobody. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. People do. It moves people, you know, when they see that you're being vulnerable. So that's what I always tell myself yeah. anyway. So I used to speak at um, treatment centers uh, when I got out of rehab and I always felt so good after, mm-hmm. you know, like I would always be like shaking, nervous, kind of like I am right now. And then like my hands are so sweaty. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but then afterwards, I'd be like, what happened? I blacked out, you know, <laughs> like, did mm-hmm. it go okay? <laughs> but I always felt so good after. And then, you know, just the amount of support from people that heard your story or heard my story was always overwhelming. So yeah, that's always encouraging when you get that. And yeah, I think it's there's a, there's a sense of freedom when you share your story. Yeah, absolutely. So talk to me about so how long was it has it been, I should say, since you got out of rehab? Um, I went to rehab in May of 2016. Okay. So just over 4 years. Sweet, that's good. Yeah. I guess we can talk a little bit about your pre-rehab if you'd like, but I'd like to talk a little post-rehab maybe. I don't know what you're feeling. Either or is fine. I mean, I was in active addiction for about 12 years before my, essentially my game ran out (laughs) and I had no other option. So 12 years of hustling every day, you know, waking up and like, how am I going to do this today? It's just like, I don't know how I lived like that for so long. Oh my God. Because even now I'm like, oh, I got to go to work. But like, it's so (laughs) much easier than, you know, waking up and trying to score. Mm -hmm. Oh my God. That sucked. I still get sick to my stomach thinking about that constant. How am I going to find a way to get money to get high? That was, oh my God. Oh. Yeah. I do not miss that. They still won't give me a payday loan. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I do not miss that at all. That literally, literally every thought revolves around getting high, even when eventually I always tell people, as soon as you get high immediately, you're thinking about how you're going to get high again. You're not even enjoying that high anymore. Right. Well, like I've relapsed a handful of times since rehab, but I even noticed that when I am in the midst of the relapse and I'm going to actually, I get higher going to pick it up. Than mm-hmm. I do actually doing the drug, <laughs> which seems crazy, but that's how I feel. Like I feel better just having it. Mm-hmm. And then when I'm doing it, I just feel guilt and regret and all sorts of negative emotions. A lot of negative emotions, to say the least. And it's a lot of work. I mean, going through those negative emotions is obviously why so many people struggle to stay clean because it's that cycle of, all right, I'm using because I have negative emotions and I have more and more and more negative mm-hmm. emotions because I'm using and it's just a trap. Yeah. I go down or spiral down, I should say, because the more I use, 
the more negative I feel. And then I future trip when I'm like, the more I use, the harder it is going to be to rein in again. And then it just, it's like a vicious cycle that keeps going and going. And because I don't want to come down or deal with anything. So I'm using more, but the more I use, it's going to be harder. Oh Oh my God, I know. (laughs) Yeah, it's a constant trap. So how did you end up breaking the cycle? Obviously there's not just one answer or else there wouldn't be an addiction problem but you know what were some of the things that worked for you you mean after rehab or what worked for you in rehab what did you like about rehab honestly so i've been through a lot of therapy since rehab Mm -hmm. (laughs) but when i was in rehab that was the least stressful time of my entire life and when i said that to my therapist she's like wow you know that's a really heavy backpack to carry around every day and it's because when i was in there like I have, I have two girls, they're 13 and eight now. I didn't have to worry about them. I knew they were okay with my mom. My meals were prepared for me. Mm. My schedule was made during the day. Like I really didn't have to worry about anything. All I had to do was show up. I was joking about, <laughs> I was said I was going to go check myself into rehab for exhaustion just because <laughs> it's a vacation. <laughs> I can't believe how few people see that when they're in everybody was in such a rush to get out I noticed immediately Mm -hmm. yeah and I was I was one of those at uh, flight risk (laughs) (laughs) for a first uh, week or so but then afterwards like my mom brought my kids up every weekend and she came up every week and it was the first time that I got to relax yeah no responsibilities yeah I mean that's why I started a business when I got I was like what do I got to lose I don't own anything right now literally yeah. Like, so why not try? If I fail, I'm right back here. So who cares? <laughs> Start from square one again. Thankfully, my job was waiting for me when I got out. The company that I worked for, the owner, he's now um, like 23 or 24 years sober, something like that. And so initially before I went into rehab, I had messaged him and I was like, is there a way I can take you know, a leave without quitting. He immediately called me and he's actually the one who got me into rehab really? um, and helped oh. me. Yeah. Oh, shout out to that guy. Yeah. Yeah. He's pretty cool. Yeah. There's not enough of that. That's for sure. Yeah. Just him knowing exactly where I was. And um, like he set everything up for me. All I had to do was show up <laughs> <laughs> and I almost didn't, but I did. And it was, you know, probably the best thing that I've ever done. Yeah, that's great to have that kind of boss and job. You still working there? No, no. When I <laughs> when I got out, I realized the emotions that I had been masking for so long. I just I couldn't. It like it was such a toxic environment because I was high every day there. Like everything reminded me of it. Um, I worked with somebody who was my using buddy. I just needed to get out of there. Do you mind if I ask what job was it? Like what kind of job anyway? Not specifically the company. Um, I worked in an accounting office. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I would totally relapse if I worked in an accounting <laughs> office. <laughs> Tell me, I guess now, like what tools and stuff do you use? Do you use AA? Did you go to AA, NA, any of those 12 steps? I started out, uh, my drug of choice was cocaine. Okay. Is, was, will always be. <laughs> I started out of rehab going to CA um, and AA. Um, okay. I tried NA, but it just, it wasn't for me. And I tried, I tried really hard. I got a sponsor. I did everything that they tell you to do in the program. And I just still was so unhappy. Um, you know, I 
thought I was being as honest as I could possibly be going through the steps. I did it with, I think, three different sponsors. I did the steps three different times. It just didn't work for me. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I say to each his own, you know, if the program works for you, that's awesome. But it didn't work for me. And it's after I realized that it wasn't going to work for me, I relapsed after over a year of sobriety. And I was just so unhappy. You know, um, when you go to meetings, everyone's so happy and positive. And I was like, I can't be the only one feeling like this. I can't be the only one like still dying inside, you know? Mm -hmm. And so that's when I realized that there were a lot of things that I needed to work through that I wasn't going to be able to do um, just going to meetings. So I started going to therapy and that worked wonders. Mm. You know, besides rehab, it's like the best thing that could have happened to me or that I did um, because I have a pretty significant trauma history. So those were the issues that I needed to address and confront and work through um, in therapy. I mean, I found a great therapist right away, which is, I guess I'm told is unusual. I'm told you got really? you have to like interview therapists. Yeah, you got to find somebody that you're actually, you know, comfortable talking mm-hmm. to and opening up to where you're not feeling judged or, you know, like they just don't understand. She was referred to me and we clicked instantly and it was great. That's awesome. Yeah. What is it about therapy? Did you do like more trauma work? specifically or was it just the talking having somebody there to listen or was it something more specific I think it was a little bit of both you know um I had really not ever said the things that happened to me out loud to somebody before so just saying saying it out loud to someone Mm -hmm. was really liberating and then for her to just sit there and listen to me and validate all these feelings that I had that I, you know, I just thought were things wrong with me that were never going to go away. Hmm. Um, so for her to validate all the feelings and emotions that I've had, you know, since I was five was amazing. That's super important. I mean, you said so much there. I don't even know where to go. I was right, <laughs> I was writing some things down. I mean, even just saying things out loud, naming them. That was like one of the that's clinical psychologists I love constantly talks about that. I have and, a degree in psychology now. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> and you just the fact, yeah, you just the power of just saying something out loud and naming it, which is good. Yeah. But and like the sense of I always talk about that kind of like with saying I'm an addict. Like, I remember the first mm-hmm. time I ever said that, like, all right, mm-hmm. I really got to get some fucking help here. That felt good. It was like, oh, yeah. all right, now I, I can deal with it. Yeah, I don't think I ever said that, those words, I'm an addict, until I was in rehab. I remember about probably maybe two weeks or not even two weeks before I went into rehab, I was on break with somebody that I worked with and we walked over to the store that's right that was right next to our work and and we were talking like she knew what was going on with me and she was a really good friend of mine and she asked how I was and I just kind of like started my eyes started watering and I had like tears like instantly running down my face and I was like I'm pretty sure I have a drug problem. <laughs> uh, <laughs> pretty and, sure. Like, according to my calculations. <laughs> I definitely have a drug problem. (laughs) (laughs) And I mean, she telling somebody who doesn't even drink um, that you have a drug problem and you like really don't know where to go from there. You know, I don't remember her exact words, 
but it was something like, well, what are you going to do? <laughs> you know? And I was like, well, I guess I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing until I can't do it anymore. Maybe that's not what she said. That's what I heard anyway. <laughs> so what was it that hit you while you were, I don't, I hate the term. I'm trying to avoid saying rock bottom because I hate, obviously it's such a subjective and strange right. term. And we can say rock bottom. <laughs> we, we can use it. All right. Thank you. Yeah. So my rock bottom was not materialistic. It was emotional. Um, I still had a job. I still had uh, my house, my kids, my car. Um, I still had all that stuff. Not to cut you off, but I feel like it's always emotional or it's emotional and materialistic. <laughs> right. <laughs> I've been very fortunate um, with the people around me and in my life that mm -hmm. always would help um, like financially with things, mostly because I had my girls. Um, so my mom and my grandparents have been phenomenal through everything, you know, even before they knew that I was an addict. I think I kind of, you know, took that for granted and said, you know, like, that's my safety net. Like, I know I'll never be homeless. I know things are will always work out some way financially. So emotionally, emotionally, I've been or was dying inside for a very long time. Mm -hmm. So when I finally hit my bottom, because I, I have been suicidal before, but this time it was, it was different. I had picked up a shift on the weekend. I remember um, this was the day before I went into rehab. I had picked up a shift and I only had a little bit of Coke left. And I went and I did my last line in the bathroom and immediate that, immediately that panic set in. Mm -hmm. um, I immediately like started to cry. I had no idea, you know, where I was going to get my next fix. Um, so I went out to a couple of the people that were there and I was like, I have a family emergency. I have to go now. And so I left and I was like sobbing. So I had texted my mom right there just in a moment of clarity. And I was like, I, I need to talk to you when I get home. And she was like, okay. Like she thought it was weird because I would never say that. <laughs> and I believe if I did not text her that, uh, I would not be here right now. It mm. was that bad. I had exhausted all of my options. Like my best friend that I had for, you know, since I was 15, wouldn't talk to me anymore. That was just a negative thing that was happening on top of it. You know, I exhausted all of my friends, all of my credit cards. I had pawned everything that I could. Like I said, my game ran out. I had no other option. So when I got home, I was crying and I, you know, I pulled my mom into my room and I, I told her what was happening. And when she was like, are you kidding me? She had no idea. None. And that's, yeah, that's how closely I kept it to me, you know, but if I didn't tell her, I, I mean, I don't, I don't even like to think about it. No, that's, I mean, yeah, that's so powerful. I think that family support is like extremely crucial. Not yeah. that not that you need it, but it just especially if it's a healthy family support, obviously it's never like perfect. There's always something, you know, whether it's some enabling or whatever it is. But right. I think it, it just it makes life so much easier to kind of get back up and going and to know. And I think really, I mean, a lot of for my for me and in my story, a lot of it had to do with my brother and sister dying, like really brought my family super close. And I think that really kind of 
made us like, all right, just we don't want you to die. So what do we got to do? Right. And it didn't matter. So to have that to fall back on, I think is is awesome. Yeah, I I honestly haven't. I don't know where I would be without my family. Yeah, and that's uh, where. So were you living with your mom at the time? Yeah, um, my mom and I still live together. Okay. And it's me and my mom and the girls. Well, my girls. My two girls. That's <laughs> Mine, awesome. Not yours. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so that's fun. And you are in Seattle, right? Yes. Seahawks. Yes. Is that Go what Hawks. it is? Is that yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah. That's all this. I can you know what ha- would happen in the city if the Bills ever won a Super Bowl? It would destroy itself, literally. <laughs> it would be like an apocalypse. If you would come here, there'd be a dead zone. They'd have to close it off. All right, so back to your uh, back to some actual things that will be useful to people that I won't have to edit <laughs> out. So, did you hear about um, what's the comedian who has a big podcast, Dak Shepard? Yeah, I did. Yeah. So my he just was it sixteen years that he was supposed to have? I yeah, think. S- something yeah. like that. My girlfriend listens to his podcast every once in a while, anyway. Mm-hmm. And she she's noticed recently that he he keeps bringing up his sobriety time more often than normal. Mm, and she said it to me like, <laughs> yeah, she, yeah, pretty much. She said it to me. I think that's exactly what he said. The guilt was so overwhelming to try mm-hmm. to hold. Oh, my God. All those lies. Do you remember trying mm-hmm. to juggle all the lies? <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, the webs we weave. <laughs> oh, Lord. <laughs> Just trying to keep them straight. But I I felt in the time that I was pretty um, organized with my life. <laughs> yeah. You know, just I can like knowing I can't tell this person this thing because I already told this person that thing and they know each other. And it's it's exhausting. Oh, my God. I do not miss it. I don't know. It's like people talk about that euphoric recall all the time. Mm-hmm. I have I have. Oh, yeah, I have. I'm that. trying to honestly <laughs> I'm trying to honestly think if I have ever really had one. Well, that that mental blind spot is real, mm-hmm. you know, because when you think back or when I think back anyway, I'm like, well, for starters, when I think back, I don't remember ever having fun <laughs> doing no. drugs ever. Um, I really don't. But for some reason, when I, you know, those fleeting thoughts and I'm like, oh, you know, it really it wasn't that bad, but it was that bad. It oh, was way worse than I can, you know ever remember but then there are those times when i'm like hmm was it really <laughs> <laughs> well it wasn't that bad yeah yeah <laughs> i mean like maybe i'm going a little you know i'm exaggerating with how bad it was but i wasn't <laughs> no no there is none i i can still literally get sick to my stomach i drove through a neighborhood the other day for the first time and probably it was a little it's been a little bit since mm-hmm. i've been over there but this, the, it always makes my stomach like cringe. Mm-hmm. I get sick to my stomach going back, thinking about it, being so dependent and attached to something. It's crazy the hold that it has. You know, um, I specifically remember I was probably like a couple of days out of rehab and I went on a walk with my mom and we were just talking and she, I don't remember specifically what we were talking about, but she said, you, you know, you'd think that the girls would be enough to keep you sober. And I just remember saying, I wish they were, Mm. I wish they were enough, you know, and that's not saying that I don't love them with everything that I have. That's not what it is, but I don't think that non-addicts understand 
because to her, it's almost like I, I don't love my kids enough to stay clean. It's totally different. Yeah, it is. And it's so hard to explain to people you know, what it's like. Yeah. The best I can try. I remember when I was going back down to my girlfriend's house just to break in there to steal some stuff to pawn it. And it was, it's a block, uh, what, seven, eight blocks, roughly, whatever, something like that. But I just remember crying and literally like arguing in my head with myself as if somebody mm-hmm. else was right next to me to do it and not do it. Just right. the whole way down, crying, sobbing. I can't do this, but I got to do this. And that's the best way I can explain it. It's just, it's crazy. Yeah. And it's I mean, you heavy. literally are at war with yourself mm-hmm. every single second of every day. Yep. And then the lies and trying to keep that straight. And mm-hmm. no, yeah. it, it was as bad as you think it was. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. I needed that. <laughs> yeah. Yes, it was. What would you say, like, I guess, summing up through all the BS in your life, all the crap you've had to overcome and the challenges and the things that have made you want to give up, but you didn't give up and you fought through and you learned from them. You know, what are some of the biggest lessons that you can take away from that? I'm not sure. Um, way to put me on the spot. We'll have to edit this out. <laughs> we can edit. We'll edit the dead space. It gets better. It does. It gets better. Like even when you think that it could never get better. Because I remember in those, you know, moments driving home, just bawling to talk to my mom, thinking that it couldn't possibly be any worse. And then, I don't know, something inside me was like, you can only go up from here, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I don't think everybody, like, I don't know if everybody has that, you know. Um, I, I really, I don't know. No, I think that's huge. And I think it's. The coolest part and the best part about like trying to become more self-aware and working on yourself and Mm -hmm. dealing with the effed up, hurtful things that have happened to you, your fault or not, doesn't matter, and trying to deal with those and work through those and use those for something good. As you do that throughout your life, I mean, life literally does get better and better and not better and better Mm -hmm. as that shitty things stop happening, but better and better as you figure out how to use those shitty things for Mm -hmm. something awesome as a lesson, as a a teacher and learn from them. And that's why life, I feel like it's becoming better and better because you start just growing and Mm -hmm. life is, life's awesome when you're growing as a human being. Yeah. Well, (laughs) it's funny you say that. Um, That's one of the reasons I did reach out to you is because uncomfortable, uncomfortability, it's a hard word. Um, oh, that is a tough it, word. <laughs> it, that's when you grow the most. And, you know, I feel like if I'm just like stagnant, I can't like that's when I, you know, my mind starts going and the, you know, idle hands kind of thing. Mm-hmm. As long as you keep moving forward, looking forward, doing things to progress. I mean, that's the only way I'm going to stay sober. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, developing, working on your self-love was huge for me anyway. I guess I can't speak for everybody, but that was a big piece of it for me. That's still a huge thing that I struggle with. Just self-love, self-worth, (laughs) self-image. Just basically everything about myself I'm still working on. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's going to be for the rest of your life. So, you know, don't rush it. Yeah, I know. There'll never be an end. 
I always think about that too. And then even if you did, even if there was an end to it, like the journey of introspection for lack mm-hmm. of a better term, even if there was an end to that, like you'd be bored as hell. Yeah. What the, what the hell would you do if you had everything figured out and taken care of and you were perfect? No. Oh, so you mean I have all these things just to keep myself entertained? <laughs> <laughs> Bingo. There you go. <laughs> no, I mean, it's about the process, not getting to the end of something. It's just about right. getting a very Taoist way to put it there's well what's that there's like a saying or something it's like life's not the destination or whatever it's the journey you take to get there some bullshit like yeah there's one of those (laughs) cliche sayings that was like spot on yes that's a good one also what else I heard it somewhere (laughs) (laughs) what else do you think people should know about you that you've learned or your license or your license your lessons I don't know. See, this is where the significance thing comes in. Yeah, well, like, just shout something out. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I really don't. Do you talk with your dad? Is your dad alive? I mean, I don't know anything about your dad, so. Yeah, um, he's alive. Uh, <laughs> he lives, you know, um, not too far from me. I don't see him as often as I would like to. Um mm-hmm. But he's remarried, has his own life. So is that more by his choice or your choice? His. His. If you don't uh, mind me asking, I'm just curious. His new wife, (laughs) to be honest. Really? Uh, (laughs) My stepmom. Yeah. That doesn't even. That doesn't even make any sense. Mm. I'm divorced. How was your your relationship with your ex? Is he involved in your kid's life? Um, Well, my girls have different dads. Um, My oldest, her dad, is not involved at all. Has has never been, which is why I'm so thankful for my mom. I call her Mm -hmm. my husband. She's my mother husband. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's awesome. Um, yeah, she, she's like my kid's second parent and my, my youngest, she sees her dad regularly and we have a very, very good co-parenting relationship now. It took a long time to get there, but, but it's great now. Good for you. I've been, I've been divorced for seven years and I think she still thinks it was yesterday. (laughs) I mean, sometimes it could feel that way. Um, (laughs) and she's married with another kid. I'm going to edit this part out too, (laughs) because... I don't want to complain about my marriage on the record or former marriage, I should say. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. No, I mean, sure. not that everything was her fault, obviously, a lot of it. I mean, I met her in my Oh, I totally like, think it was. Yeah. It, it was all her fault. <laughs> I know fault. nothing about you. <laughs> it was all her fault, 100%. Um, but no, I met her in my early 20s. And I mean, I was a dumb. Everybody's dumb in their early 20s. Mm-hmm. So. Well, I, I had I knocked up a girl in my early 20s because I'm dumb because that's what dumb early 20 year olds do. Yeah. Or uh, teenagers. I had yeah. <laughs> I had my oldest when I was I just turned 19. Yeah. And then my youngest at 23. So, yeah, I was. Yeah, I was about that same 20. Yeah. I think maybe I might have been like turning 21. But yeah, I was super young. I didn't even know who the hell I was at 21. I know. How the hell am you I going to have I, a kid? <laughs> how the hell do i have two and i'm yeah. just figuring myself out you know the last couple of years i Me feel too. like this last year i have become the person that i've become a, become a person that i like that i would like to be friends with mm-hmm. you know in this past year before that i was not 
I mean, I was never like a mean person, but I was just a shitty person. I felt like. Yeah, that's an that's an awesome part of the journey when you can come to that realization. Yeah, I mean, I'm not. Do you think that was more bad? (laughs) Do you think that was more a mindset change or like some like actual things you changed in yourself or maybe Um, a little bit of both? A little bit of both. Yeah. Um, My one thing I did take from my most recent sponsor um, years ago was positive affirmations for yourself mm-hmm. and I said but I don't even believe the shit I'm saying like <laughs> <laughs> and she was like you know say it to yourself in the mirror until you do and I don't necessarily go and like stare at myself in the mirror and be like you're beautiful you know but it's definitely something that I actively try to tell myself or you know to try to catch those thoughts where if somebody says something and I'm like why are you high? You know, (laughs) I try to catch myself and be like, they're not high. Okay. (laughs) It's the, it's you, it's you, it's your thinking. That's, you know, not wrong. Well, I guess wrong or different. Yeah. Different. Different's a good word. Yeah. I love it. Thank you for being willing to come on and talk with me. Yeah. I was really nervous, but no, it's You're cool. So That's why. No, thank you. <laughs> You're not you. so scary anymore. <laughs> <laughs> no, I appreciate it. I'm glad. I mean, that's why I like just kind of doing them where I can edit them too. I mean, I've thought about maybe I will do some live conversations at one point, but mm-hmm. you know, I love because it takes some time for somebody to like. All right, we're good. That's why I hit record mm-hmm. too, like immediately, because it does. It takes time to get people. To, right, this isn't really that big of a deal. Well, Krista, you are awesome. And I don't, do you want anybody, I don't know if you want to give out on your social media? Um, yeah. A little bit about your story. and myself. I don't really like attention. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's why podcasts are great because you can't even see me. (laughs) No, no, that is awesome. Cool. Well, that works. But I will let you know when I release this and I will be staying in touch with you anyway. Okay. Yeah. Thank you for being a badass human being. Thank you for having me. (laughs) Not a problem. And I will uh, let you know. And we'll be in touch to talk trash on November 8th. Totally. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I'll talk to you soon. All right. Thanks. Yep. Bye. Bye.